Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton podcast, the show where we hear from both pharma company owners and industry leaders who have all agreed to share their stories of both personal and professional growth. This week, I'm joined by Nicole Palmer. Nicole is a TMF enthusiast. Um, Nicole, you and I have spoken previously. Give us a quick intro as to yourself, your company, and, and what a TMF enthusiast is. <laughs> sure. So I work for um, a place called Criterium. It's a full service contract research organization that's dedicated to providing efficiency and expertise and clinical trial services to pharmaceuticals, biotech, medical device companies throughout the world. Yeah. And some of the services that we offer is project management, data management, TMF management, monitoring. Uh, Criterium has a research consortia that involves GI, myeloma, lung and breast cancer. Mm -hmm. They do phase one through four, including post-marketing and pharmacovigilance studies. Yeah. They have interactive voice and web response systems. And I'm proud to say we just celebrated 30 years of being in business. Wow, congrats. When, when, was, when was the 30-year anniversary or birthday, as it, as it may be? It was just recently, so it was, we're very excited and um, proud. I'm very honoured to even be a part of it. Sure. So, so Criterium, that's your company, full-service CRO, you know, offering the, the whole shebang in terms of services, stages, phases. Um, therapeutic um, areas, I didn't quite catch those, those there. What, what are the main focuses um, therapeutic-wise for you, for you guys? So Criterium has a research consortia with the site. Mm. And so there's the GI, the myeloma, lung, and breast cancer. So one of the benefits of contracting with Criterium, if you have a study that involves those particular areas, is we already have the sites. We can get them up and running very fast and efficiently. Mm -hmm. Okay, so and then we'll, we'll come on to, to your role. So um, I, I think I had initially come across yourself through LinkedIn. You're, you're now very active. Um, trial master file enthusiast um, to those that aren't necessarily in the world of, of research what what's the trial, trial master file and, and how have you sort of grown to become a, a TMS enthusiast sure so the trial master file is the foundation of every study the contents of the TMF tells the story of the trial from the beginning to the end mm -hmm. and it verifies that the patient's rights and safety are being protected. And yeah. so the golden rule in clinical research is if it isn't written down, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so it's our responsibility to make sure that we have all that documentation and that it's filed appropriately for the trial. That way we can document, document all the good work and dedication of everyone who's working on the trial. Yeah. Okay. So, so kind of like a logbook, but on steroids, uh, effectively. <laughs> That's right. Okay. And and how how does this work? Because I'm assuming, you know, with um, you know, the advancements of, of technology, we're not talking about a huge um a book or, or you know, I know that there has been sort of pen and paper previously, but how how does it actually look nowadays? What are you dealing with in terms of you know, to, to log all this data, because there's there's a whole host of 
um, bits of information that need to go, to go in um, to the, the TMF from different sources as well. How's it all collated? Where's it all stored? How, do, how does that um, operate? Sure. So we are operating fully electronically. When I start, first started with Criterion, we did a hybrid method of having paper documents and having the documents electronically, mm. but now we're 100% electronic trial master file. Nice. And yes, and our goal is to be inspection ready at all times. So if an auditor and an inspector were to come in, we are ready to rock and roll. We will pass that audit flying colors. Good to hear, good to hear. Um, so that we, we, in that regard, I mean, what are the, the most common questions that you get um, about the, the master file. Uh, I know that one for me, um, and I was, I guess, inquiring just before we kicked off, is how are all the different sources of information stored? You know, emails, for example, all of us get, you know, a ton of emails and it's hard <laughs> enough at times. You know, I've, I've um, been implementing Inbox Zero for, for years now uh, to try and manage my own time spent on emails. Um, but how is something like that managed? Because it's just, it's tough trying to do it as, a, as an individual. For the whole <laughs> trial, it must be, yeah, just keep you crazy busy with that, that alone. How, how is that um, dealt with? Sure. So they have the TMF reference model, which is a very comprehensive document that tells you kind of a great I, great spot of where to file the documents. Yeah. And so it's industry standard, it's widely accepted. And when you, we think about email communications, it goes back to thinking about if an auditor and our inspector were looking at this TMF, they wouldn't have any questions because mm -hmm. we would file that email correspondence to where there might be a loophole where the document might not give the full description. So we have the email to cover that up. Yeah. Well, I wish um, sometimes in, in my career that um, everyone had been that detailed and uh, organized because it's, you know, when, when taking over, you know, a handover from a colleague at times where you're trying to cover their work and, and you go on and you see their notes and you think, what is going on here? So that must um, <laughs> certainly keep... Um, uh, I guess you busy, but where has your love of the, the master file come from? How did you first get into this? How did you end up at, um, you know, in, in the world of clinical research to start with? Sure. So I have a master's degree in counseling. Mm -hmm. And when I first started my career, I worked in a hospital in the behavioral health unit and I also worked with at-risk adolescents in a group home setting, kind of like their last, their last chance before going to jail. Wow. And so, yeah, um, which was really what, interesting. What, what age, what age were these adolescents that you were dealing with? What sort of, what was the age range? They were between 12 and 16, and it was a male group home. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for a long time. And then my husband, who's in the pharmaceutical industry, got a two-year contract to work up close to the Canadian border. Mm. And so there was a, jobs were really scarce up there. There wasn't a lot of opportunities. And so I took a medical assisting position and I did that for the two years and learned so much in the field. 
But after that two years, we realized we wanted to be closer back to our family. And so I started to look for jobs back home and continued to work in the medical assisting field and realized it was sort of a dead end road. You either have to become an LPN or an RN to learn new skill sets. Right. And I didn't want to do that. So I kept looking on Indeed for positions and I saw an advertisement for a company called Criterium and they were looking for a CTA slash administrative assistant and Mm -hmm. I applied for the job and was very happy and honored and blessed to accept it and I've been here ever since. I was going to say, so it must be going quite well because you've been with the guys now at Criterion since 2014, uh, which yeah. I think is a credit both to you and to, to any company because we all know in the world of pharma and, and you know CROs in particular that people people move, <laughs> and <laughs> partly why my business exists as a, as a recruitment business. People look move a lot, and in the US, you know, it's at will, uh, so it's a very fast paced market with a lot of turnover. Um, mm-hmm. So clearly, Criterion has managed to, to grab your, not only grab your attention um, sort of back in, in 2014, but keep it and, and keep you occupied. So talk me through how your role has evolved with them and what has, you know, kept you, I guess, loyal to them, where so many others do kind of, everyone's always looking for the next big thing, the grass is greener. Uh, what is it about <laughs> Criterion that um, they're doing so well and, and that you love about the guys there? Sure. So I started at a very entry level position and I knew there would be room for growth. And it's one of those situations where you have to prove yourself in the industry Mm. and you just work your way up. And the more you want to learn, the more you'll grow. And if you show that to the people that you're working with that they want to teach you they want to help you and they want to see you succeed Mm -hmm. and I think one of the things that's really special about Criterium is we're very very much like a family um so pre-COVID when we were all in the office Mm. uh, there's some jobs where you have, where you know the CEO, you know his name, but you never really see who they are. Yeah. And at Criterion, they're, they're a name this... and a title rather than, yeah. rather than rather than a colleague. Exactly. Mm. And so at Criterion, you see the CEO every day come into work and you don't get that everywhere. And mm. not only that, he takes it a next step further and will walk around to each department and say, hi, good morning. How's your day going? Yeah. Which is really special. You don't get that everywhere. You don't and, know. I, I know, I, I guess, firsthand that you just don't get that everywhere. Certainly at the larger <laughs> companies, it's, you know, it's, it's a numbers game to an extent and you right. just don't have that level of, of personal interaction with the, the you know those that are up the ladder so how I mean when you joined back in 2015 what sort of staff count were they or head count was was the company at then was it was it a small company there is that how um you know that you were so connected to the the senior management team and, and the CEO or um are they a large company and you know this guy is is 
actually just making time and an effort to actually go and see sort of a whole number of people what what sort of size um business was it back then sure it's a small to medium cro and i think it's one of those things where he really appreciates the people that work from him and that's one way of showing it because any mm-hmm. ceo can walk in and go straight to their desk and shut the door yeah. and all it takes is a couple minutes out of your day to just check in with your people and see how they're doing. Mm. Little small, small things, isn't it? I, I guess it's, you know, treat others the way uh, you would want to be treated. And I saw a post by somebody on LinkedIn the other day um, saying, you know, you should treat your employees the same way you would want your children to be treated. Mm-hmm. If they were in your organization. And that one that, you know, I probably hadn't, wouldn't have considered that until a couple of years ago when I had my own um, sort of son. But now I, I, you know, that that rings true. And it's just like, it's it, it, it's it doesn't take much does it but it's yeah. a little thing like that that then goes a long way and clearly it has uh, for yourself at criterium um so look, you, you you came in there and you were kind of administrative assistant cta um you've now been uh with the organization for i, I guess cl- close to, to 10 years nearly uh I'm, I'm stretching that a little bit there but um how has your role developed whilst at Criterium you know how is a day-to-day activity 2014 how's that changed over the years we're just keep growing and growing which I I love and the department's growing within and people are getting promoted which Mm. is wonderful I love to just see people see people come in at entry-level positions and themselves to see them grow and expand and really see their passion in clinical research mm-hmm. okay um and I, I guess you know outside of criterium i know that you're as we've already covered you're big on the, on the tmf um you know i've since connected to yourself i know that you're almost taking that same stance as, as almost your, your CEO, you know, a bit of inspiration there and tr- now trying to help others and inspire others, um, not just um, who are working in exactly the same field, but anyone across clinical research. Um, um, but one of the things that you told me, and I was fascinated by when, when you and I first spoke, was that you're now very active through LinkedIn, but actually you have deleted all social media, right? I, I did, how, I did. When, when, when was it? How, and, and what, what led you to that decision to actually to do that? Because I think there's a lot of people out there that w- will be listening to this thinking, oh my God, that sounds amazing. How, what, what you know, allowed you to actually say delete, delete, delete? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to press the delete button, right? Yeah. So um, as soon as, COVID started to come on and things started to shut down. There was a lot of negativity on social media. Mm. And I love positive people, positive vibes, positive energy. And so I wasn't finding value in the platforms because Mm. everybody was just kind of negative. And so I said, you know what, I don't need this. So got rid of Facebook, got rid of Instagram and um, Snapchat, Pinterest, all the platforms that I was on Twitter. And I really thought it was just going to be, okay, I'll do this for a week and then I'll probably be back on. And 
I never really activated the rest of the platforms, except I went back on LinkedIn. I missed the collaborations. I missed the networking and the sharing mm. of information and helping people and sharing just the knowledge that I have. And yeah, you know, we all have this common interest in the clinical research industry where we want all these studies to be successful and we have a love of what we do. And I think we just need to start sharing it more. And I love being a positive role model and mentor for this industry. And it's truly an honor and a blessing to be a part of. Amazing. So I guess I know I see you active now because you and I are connected, but you know, what are the sort of things that you are, I guess, posting and doing to, to, to help and inspire others through LinkedIn and through what you're doing, because look, I agree, there's there's so much negativity that sometimes you'll come across on. I mean, I don't actually have Instagram or, or Facebook, but for the same <laughs> reasons, because there's so much BS on there half the time. Right. And, and you just, you look at it and you think, how do these people who don't know the individual influencer that they're talking about, have the time to go and write something negative when you think that they don't even know them. Like it just, to me, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, right. But, you know, what is it that you're doing to, to kind of make a difference on that, um, you know, with your own posts through LinkedIn? And how's that going? Because um, I know that you said that previously you had quite a huge um, number of connections and, and now you're trying to rebuild that um, after everyone had, kind of blocked you um, and you know, had to, to start from scratch. How's, how's it going? You know, what, um, what sort of responses are you getting? Is it just from the US? Is it from around the world? Um, what sort of feedback are you getting on, on LinkedIn? Sure. So when I decided to get back on LinkedIn, which I was shocked when I deleted my account, I thought all my stuff would still be there. And when they say you have 30 days to change your mind, they really mean it or else all, everything will be gone. Mm. So I that said, was okay. the bit that I, re I remembered because you said some of the others you're, you could reactivate, but LinkedIn, anyone who's listening, 30 days and you're out. So, you know, if you're gonna detox uh, and you're planning to come back, make sure it's inside 30 days. <laughs> Or just delete the app on your phone and don't log on on your computer. That would be my go. best advice. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought about when I came back on, I wanted to really be that positive role model and help people in the clinical research industry. Because there's not always a lot of resources out there for people just starting out. Mm. And so I started connecting with that type of population. Yeah. And I just started posting about the trial master file to see how receptive people would be. Mm. And people were loving it, surprisingly. And so a lot of my material comes from people who ask questions. And then we just build upon it and try to give exactly what they need. That's sort of the service I think everyone does on LinkedIn. You have a question and you're there to answer it. And, it's, it's, it's the same with us and, and that's you know almost why we started the, the podcast series because we were getting so many questions about what individuals do what how their day-to-day -day activities look yep. how people have built companies you know what the personality types are like uh, and I was having individual conversations over and over and over uh, and like you you're probably getting the same questions over and over yep. and over about the trial master file why not start answering those questions on a wider wider platform it kind of just makes right. sense, doesn't it? And that's, you know, clearly where you're, you're now getting a lot of 
traction. And I think it's it's good for anybody to do, whether you're, um, you know, just trying to inspire others or looking for work. You know, I regularly see, um, you know, aspiring CRAs that have, have started using video uh, messages yeah. on LinkedIn. And I always go on and, and like them. It's, you know, of course, we're, we're a recruitment business, but I, I'll like it and, and often share it because I know that even if it's not free myself, I can help them get access right. and if they've stepped out of their comfort zone to do that by themselves rather than for a recruiter i'm to an extent it it puts me out of business but i'm all for it because <laughs> I, I think if you're that standout character great you know you deserve to to get um you know top opportunities right absolutely uh, so look, um, I, I guess you're, you're now back and active on LinkedIn. You're, um, you know, championing the, the, the trial master file. Um, you know, we know how you, you got into um, sort of the world of, of clinical research. How are things going now since the pandemic um, kind of broke out? We're pretty, almost exactly a year on. I think it was a couple of weeks back but there was COVID, you know, certainly the, the first birthday of a lockdown for, for us right. in the UK anyway. Um, how are things going uh, for you guys or for you personally and for, for you guys at Criterion? So pre-COVID, maybe within the past, I don't know, three or four years, we were testing out the working from home. Mm. And so for individuals who had worked maybe a year with the company, we would say pick one day that you want to work from home and then that's your day every week. The rest of the days you'll be in the office. And so we were doing that for a while now. Yeah. And just working from home one day a week in the office four days a week. Mm -hmm. And then COVID hit and then it was like everybody's working from home five days a week. Yeah. So we had a taste of what it was like. We were set up to do it. We knew we could get the job done. Mm. You don't necessarily have to be in the office to do the job. We know you need a laptop and internet. Everything's done electronically now yeah. to where we can still function as a business, which was wonderful because mm. um, I feel Shock. horrible. Every, for everyone thought <laughs> it would kind of just, uh, the world would grind to the halt, a halt. But actually give people, you know, that opportunity to just do the work and, you know, nine times out of 10 people have come up with the results. I know certainly for us as a business, we've gone fully remote and it's, it's been a dream. Right. And I'm sure you can relate. Nobody wanted to change their business plan. Mm. Nobody wanted to change their managing style, but the name of the game is learning how flexible and adaptable you can be to your environments to succeed. And I think COVID really showed us that. Yeah. So how are you, um, I guess a year on, how are you guys, sort of now sort of managing it is there um you know in the uk we're now getting the message return to work return to the offices uh, and things are starting you know when you go out to, to feel a lot more pre-covid normal um it's certainly getting busier out um how are things for you guys and is there going to be the move straight back to the office is there going to be a hybrid are you going to remain working from home what are the plans um for, for Criterium as, as a business, and, and what's, I guess, your preference? Because I, I guess we all have our own preference. For me, I, I, I kind of, I love the remote aspect of it. I, you know, I would love to get in for meetings and, and things like that. And, you know, that face-to-face -face interaction and water cooler moments that you can't get remotely. Uh, but how, <laughs> how, how are Criterium planning to, 
do the, the phasing back or, or are they? So they started slowly opening up and we use our calendar and communicate that way of who's going to go into the office on what days to keep it very controlled with the population down. Yeah. And a lot of times when I'm on the calendar and I go in, it's the CEO and HR and probably that's it. And wow. um, so you go into the office, and it's still very quiet and it's mm. like, you know, a piece of your heart's still missing because your family's not there with you. Yeah. And I miss camaraderie. And um, I always joke about, um, I can't wait till we have our Criterion family reunion so we can just all see each other again. Mm. Um, that would be really nice. But there's, here in the U.S., things are slowly starting to open up, but we're still practicing, you know, the six-foot rule, wearing masks, hand-washing, um, being very, very safe. And I think if we just keep going down that road and following those strict protocols, things will keep opening up. Kind of just got to be sensible with it now is my, my thoughts. You know, everyone can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but if, if we rush now, then we could right. jeopardize kind of the, the good work that everyone's done by, you know, adhering to the rules. Um, and, you know, so in terms of, you know, the getting the office camaraderie back together, is that perhaps one of the, the big challenges that you have faced? Because clearly, yeah, if, you know, if you're looking to help people that you don't know through LinkedIn, clearly you must be a bit of a people person in the office and, and like to you know, get together, have a bit of a chat, get work done. But, you know, I can imagine you being quite a lively character in the office. Is that one of the, the biggest challenges that you faced? And what others uh, would you probably add to the list? I would think so, because you have to think when you're working remotely, how can you bring the camaraderie of the office together? And we have these wonderful platforms like Zoom and Microsoft Teams, and you can mm. have your coffee chats in the morning with your coworkers, but it's still not the same. Yeah. You know, it's you miss that human interaction. Mm. You can see them on a computer, but it's just seeing someone in person is just irreplaceable. Definitely, I, I, I have to agree um, with, with that side of things. And yeah, I, I, I think that certainly, I think as a business, we're gonna remain you know, predominantly remote, but I want to have that option to, you know, get in for meetings, to meet, uh, you know, to actually see people, shake hands, you know, <laughs> high five, you know, do all these things that we used to just take for granted and haven't haven't done for a year. Um, so and I don't know about you, but I miss my morning and afternoon evening commute. Just that maybe 30 minutes of mental preparation of, okay, this is how my day is going to go. And then you know at the what? end of the day, that's unwinding one, the transition yeah I, I think a lot of people have you know and I, I mean I've run the the business with my partner Lucy um so we have got into a routine where we go for we still go for a morning walk and that is kind of our our commute we're out for about an hour uh with <laughs> our son so he he gets out and about it's a morning walk uh we get our daily steps in and it's kind of like a, a kickoff meeting before the day has, <laughs> has even started um, so for us, we've, we've kind of put that into our routine, but we have noticed the occasional person who's always sitting on the same bench at the same time, getting a coffee from the same place. So we, you know, <laughs> clearly other people are missing that routine yeah. and that commute. 
Um, so I, I hear what you're saying on that. Um, but look, moving forward, we, as I say, uh, said a minute ago, it's kind of like at the end of the tunnel, tunnel uh, for us uh, here in the UK. How is the future looking for you guys in New York and across the US? Um, what do you see in store for, I guess, the general population in terms of lockdown, but also the world of, of pharma and CROs, remote working over the, the next, say, six months as companies have that option to return to work um, and people are getting the vaccinations. What what are your kind of plans for the future and, and, and predictions as it may be? Sure. So in terms of like pharma 2021, I think we're going to see a lot of preventative medicine and being proactive. And I think COVID really taught us that. Yeah. And in terms of the vaccine, I believe in the principle behind vaccines and I'm inspired by our understanding of immunology and infectious diseases. And there's no doubt that vaccines save lives. I think we need to be mindful regarding how individuals can respond differently to vaccines. And I want people to make the best individual decisions for themselves informed by evidence in conjunction with their providers. Things that. Yeah, kind of, it has to be individual. It has to be what's right for, for each individual. Uh, I, I guess, you know, that's the, the message that you, you're promoting. Yeah, I think they're doing that the way that they're rolling out the different phases, mm -hmm. doing the different hierarchies. Yeah. And what, I guess, outside of the world of, of research, getting back to the office, having a good chit chat with with your colleagues you know sometimes it's you know as i say the water cooler moments is, is something that you can't replace uh, and you don't get with working from home to the same kind of level um you know what is it about when we return into work and getting back to normal that you are you know looking to get back to you know if you weren't in the world of research what you know what else is, is your passion outside of, of work well, you know, I'm always thinking about the TMF. <laughs> but what I'm thinking about that, um, I, as you already probably can't pick up, I love my family. So I'm really missing the family gatherings and just not only the family that we're born into, but the family, like our work family, our friend families. I miss traveling, concerts in the park. And like you said before, we've sat in our houses for over a year now, and we've thought about all the things that we've taken for granted. Simple things like just a family gathering. Mm. And now we're going to cherish those even more once we're able to be in larger groups again. Definitely. Well, I, I certainly share that enthusiasm to get together, get with family, enjoy, you know, going out to restaurants, the small things that you used to just take for granted. Uh, I'm with you 100% um, on that, Nicole. Um, but look, it's, it's been fantastic hearing, uh, I guess, yeah, about the, the master file, you know, criterium, yeah, very impressed by, you know, what the guys are, are doing out there, uh, over there and how they're managing the business to keep people uh, and, you know, great individuals like yourself, enthusiastic about an, an organization for so long um, so look, it's, as i say it's been great having you on the show in terms of you know for anyone who wants to reach out to you i know that you're extremely active these days via uh linkedin so don't delete that again um, <laughs> um lesson yeah lesson learned and um, what's the best way to reach out to you is it via linkedin you know if people have questions send you a dm or comment on your things and, and that way you can log it and and kind of 
share share the answers, share your posts and share some inspiration, yeah? Absolutely. That's one of the reasons why I love LinkedIn. Got back on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect, follow with me. Send me any TMF related questions. If I don't know the answers, I'll get them for you. I'll connect you with people, whatever it is you need. Incredible. Well, uh, Nicole, thanks so much again for coming on the sh uh, show and sharing your story and, and the love of the TMF um, so that others can, you know, if they've not heard of it, Google it, reach out to yourself, fire in their questions uh, to my, myself or, or, or to you. Um, and we'll get back to them. But look, uh, again, pleasure having you on the show. Have a fantastic day, your end. Thank you so much, James. I appreciate the opportunity. Have a wonderful day. Great stuff. Thank you.